Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? All right, all right, all right. Hey, everybody. Um, It has been a long time, so I'm not even going to pretend like like I've been here. I know y'all are like, wow, there's really an episode? Yes, there are really episodes. Um, When you are doing this for free, sometimes you got to take breaks and you got to take them for a long amount of time because capitalism. So, (laughs) but I've always had, um, I I still have a schedule in my mind of people that I want to talk to. And today's guest is no exception. I'm talking about none other than Brittany Broaddus Smith. I'm super excited to get into conversation with her. Um, Before we do that, though, I want to read her bio and then we're going to get into it. I've, I've had the distinct pleasure of getting to know Brittany through um, our mutual connection to Widener University and just um, seeing her work has just been phenomenal. Um, This is the first part of a two-part series that we are calling Sex Ed in the Spirit. And so I just look forward to getting into a really dope conversation with her about her role in that that conversation. Um, But without further ado, let me read her bio. Brittany Broaddus Smith is the founder of The Intimacy Firm, which is an intimacy coaching and sexuality education organization. Brittany earned a bachelor's degree in psychology and master's degrees in both social work and clinical human sexuality education. She is also a licensed social worker in Pennsylvania. With her unique personality, Brittany speaks and trains locally and nationally, tackling those typically taboo subjects head on. To do this, she uses innovative strategies like her sex and relationships game night, daring discussions, as well as comprehensive sex education, coaching, and training for groups and individuals. Working at the intersections of sexuality and faith, Brittany aims to empower individuals to discover, embrace, and navigate the world of sexuality in a way that doesn't compromise their personal or professional values. And so that all sounds yummy to me. Hopefully it sounds yummy to you. Without further ado, welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, Brittany Broaddus-Smith. Oh, I get it. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> my name right and stuff. That's how you do it. I try. You know, I'm big on names because people will yeah, spell mine wrong in a minute so listen and i've been on names too spelling check rechecking checking and pronouncing it right and you know people call me britney brodus and i'm like and my mother god rest her soul like it's broadest like it's broadest (laughs) well i will say i i will um credit snoop dog for knowing how to pronounce it because you know him (laughs) being calvin broadest i learned that years ago how to pronounce it so that was my stab in the dark But thank you so much. I know you are super busy and you've got so much going on, but I appreciate you taking time to to talk with me because I think um, you just have done a lot of different things. And I actually had the intention to bring you on the podcast like last year or in my first year. But again, burnout, I had to take a break. Um, and I wanted to have you come during Volvember. And at some point I'm gonna have a Volvember whole piece where I wanna have you come in and talk about that. And, and hopefully we'll have some time to talk about your work with that with me and my Volvo in a second. Um, before we get to that, I have to ask you the question that I ask all the folks that come on my show. Um, the first question, where are you from? Where are your people from? And what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days? So let's start there and then we'll get into the getting that is Brittany Broaddus Smith in the yes, intimacy firm. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I lived all North Philadelphia specifically was where I was born. I lived a little bit in West Philly and then we after a while we moved into the suburbs. But Philly mm. is where I call home. I am a Philly girl. <laughs> you hear it in my yes. voice. Interests. I'm a Philly girl. Yeah, um, my people are from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Is my, okay. my mom's side and Dover, Delaware. Um, my dad's side. So okay, I'm so y'all mom. are pretty. Y'all have pretty much been East Coast that yeah, entire time. time, right? And funny thing is, I've never been to Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Virginia, or Dover, Delaware. Even though, oh that's wow! Where <laughs> so you got to put them on your list. You got to check them out. Mm-hmm. See what's what's popping um, to the list. And what's got me thinking about 
so interesting that we're having this conversation right now. Um, what's got me thinking about sex and sexuality these days is what's the next step for the Christian sexologists? Um, oh, yes. I was actually just booked to, uh, I mean, not just because I'm leaving tomorrow to do a week long, I'm calling it sexual revival for a church in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and they black churchy churchy. So we got to, you know, you know, there, mm-hmm. you know, the churchiness of it all is going to come. The culture of church being churchy is going to have to come and meet and marry with the work that I already do. And I feel like, you know, I've done a lot of the Bible doesn't say this type of thing. Like most of the intimacy from over the last couple of years has been, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the scripture meant. And now I'm feeling pulled to be like, okay, well, what does it say? Yeah. And to be that stab at like, shifting my language a bit to because i've been kind of you know i don't know if i've been i don't know i'm dealing with feelings like was i afraid i don't like to think that but maybe i was but now i'm like okay we've done enough of myth busting now it's time for truth telling yeah 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 and and you've already jumped into it because i i didn't say this explicitly but for those who don't know who Brittany is Brittany has situated herself within this work as a christian sexologist and so i think that's very very significant and and it goes right into my next question how did you get into this work and how specifically did you make the choice to come in through come into it through the lens of religion and specifically christian yeah. faith yeah absolutely so i actually didn't specifically make the choice to come into it this way i actually wanted to be a lawyer and so i (laughs) okay i can say i didn't i didn't find sex or i didn't choose sex sex chose me Mm -hmm. um honestly even from my upbringing and some of my you know my history and experience with sexual development sexual trauma i knew that and in social work as the choice um, I went from wanting to be a lawyer to realizing that poli sci is my major. That was boring as crap. I was like, I can't do this for four years. No, no, no. So I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we can do psychology, and then I can be like a forensic like lawyer. And you know, you have no people to be able to tear them apart on the stand because you know I was still trying to be Johnny Cochran. <laughs> Got gotcha. you. Fifth grade, what I want to be when I grow up. Papers like I'm going to. I'm going to have my own dream team. I'm going to be the female Johnny Cochran. Like that was my thing. But mm-hmm. then psychology happened, and then from psychology, MSW happened, and then that's when I learned of Widener. And when I got married, I married someone. I was 22. I married someone 10 years older than me. He was a deacon. Oh. Yeah. And and also very traditional, like outside of his, because he was fairly new to the faith. Mm-hmm. But he was very, like, he was one of those Black men that was like, I want to give my kids what I didn't have, but in the most extreme sense. So two-parent household, food on the table when you get home. But also, like, I want my woman to work because I want, like, I want to, I want to be the boss, but I don't want to pay the cost. I mean, we can go there, but. I mean, we can go there, but. Black people, you know, who pays the bills, who works, like, it's a thing. Right. Um, so I, I went there with him um, and we had the conversation about me going back to school because I was going to do sex therapy because that clinical space was always in me. Yeah. And then I realized that sexuality therapy for black people in general is like not a thing. And then sex therapy is even more foreign for us. And then black Christian people. It's yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and so I, I've always been that one that walked into unfamiliar spaces. So I'm like, sure, we'll do that. And it's, it sounded fun. Right, but I taught a, uh, it was a single to married joint Sunday school, mm-hmm. and it was a, and at first when I was assigned, and I'm like, how am I gonna talk about sex with both these groups? Like, somebody's gonna be bored, somebody's gonna feel left out. Like, what are we gonna do? Right, and I figured it out. It was called Sex and Salvation, and I'm not really. I say spooky, but I don't mean it in a negative way. I'm not like really spooky. Like I heard the Lord say, like, that's not how my spirituality shows up. But I know that God talks to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after I taught that lesson, one of the elders was like, Brittany, this was amazing. Like, we need this kind of conversation. But next time, let's do it in the fellowship hall, not the pulpit. And I'm just like, say what now? And literally, God was, I heard God say, this is it. And this is what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for your original question, like, what am I thinking about these days? So much of my why was dispelling myths, getting the the bad teaching, like, you know, that bad terminology leads to bad theology. So like getting rid of the 
the bad stuff, like clearing out. Like, you know, when you clean the cavity, before you can do the filling, you got to yeah, yeah, yeah. clean it out. So I've done all the cleaning out that I could do. Now it's time to build. And mm-hmm. this is new. This is just as right. scary as, you know, saying dildo from the pulpit. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And so it, it, it's amazing, but that's how I I got here. It wasn't anything that I chose. It was literally what I was called to do. And I think even like my life, because I've been I've been saved since I was fourteen. I do believe that I'm churchy by mm-hmm. personality, but I don't have the steeped in church experience as others do because I was in boarding school. I was a member of a, pen- a large mega Pentecostal church that did the all night prayers and the you know the tarian services and all that, but I was never there for it. I've never been to convocation. I've never been to all of those things. I don't speak in tongues, but I know the experience, the spiritual, the black spiritual experience. I know I'm aware right. of, and I think I've been. I right. think I would say that God preserved me from that experience so that I could do the work that I do, so that I can very clearly. I'm aware mm-hmm. enough and familiar enough and a part of the community to be able to speak to it, but not having been necessarily harmed directly by it so that I'm not jaded by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, Ooh. And I appreciate that. And it's interesting because the, as I learn more about your journey, so, the, so for y'all listening, y'all know, I don't really spend a lot of time talking about religion or anything like that, but y'all know, I talk about like this whole thing is centered on black experiences and black folks. And so I feel like you can't really talk about blackness or sexuality without mentioning the church or bringing in the church. And, and as someone who kind of did grow up, not necessarily grew up in the church because I had a single mother and a single grandmother. So, you know, we weren't really centered. We were kind of on the fringes of the church showing up. Um, I did have that exposure. And one of the reasons, as I grew up, I was very much groomed in the church life, knew how to be churchy. and, And I still, in a lot of ways, consider myself a woman of faith, but my faith is very much situated outside of the church. And a lot of it has to do with sexuality and the ways that sexuality was treated in the church. And so, it's 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 always been very ironic to me my connection to you and our conversation because even though I've I've called myself I, I'll say it in a minute you know I'm a heathen like don't like don't don't worry about it just pray for me I'm a heathen it's fine I've already talked to God we worked it out however we're gonna work it out but. Um, I think having conversations with you and being able to have that honesty without it being like, well, let me minister to you and let me tell you why you're wrong and let me do all these things, it's been really, really, really. Um, edifying to like it been it's like okay we can have a conversation and now hearing you and kind of talk about your journey it's like oh that's why I'm able to talk to Brittany without being like you know what never mind <laughs> never mind <laughs> right and this is not to be a, again this is not to be a conversation about faith at all more so than just the ways that our experiences of faith kind of intersects with sex ed and how or sexuality and how sex ed can inform that but I appreciate you sharing your journey because again I think there is that faith there is the when you're steeped in it and it literally informs everything you do and then there is the faith is a part of all the other pieces of my life and it's it is something that is not wholly encompassing in the sense of like i can't talk about anything else but it is important and so um yeah i think that that's a interesting piece now tell me, this is a question I ask everybody who comes on the show too. And I think we can kind of hear it based on what you've already been sharing. But if you had to pick one, what would you say is your sex ed superpower? Ooh, oh, I have so many. <laughs> well, you you can talk about more than one. That's fine. <laughs> Which is also a new space for me, right? Because it's like, I'm going to be like, you know, so humble. And like, and I think what's her name? Robin somebody i'm blanking on her name she's a, a comedian and a content creator um actually oh she talked about okay she accepted a award and she was like i wish i would be humble what normally people say i'm so humble by this she was like but i'm not i worked you know i worked hard for this and yeah. so i'm leaning into what i do well and to combat imposter syndrome and stuff i think that i have the ability to take like especially in the space that i work i have this uncanny ability to infuse joy into even the toughest of conversations whether it's silliness Mm -hmm. whether it's making it a game whether it's like bringing a philly out of it like whatever it is there is a pop culture reference or for everything even scripture like even scripture and like i was you know i read through song of solomon again the other day getting ready for this assignment 
it was one of the things where uh, the 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 husband in the text were talking about among the lilies, my my wife or my beauty is the greatest or something like that. She's the beauty, the prettiest lily among all the women or whatever. And I was like, it's giving mm-hmm. my chick bag. My chick. <laughs> like it's really giving yes. that, and like I. And That's I it. That even, and even with my like text from God on Sundays and stuff like that, I re- like if you can't learning education of any kind, if you can't see yourself in it, if you can't see the way that you can apply mm-hmm. it to your literal everyday life, it won't stick. Absolutely. For the people who I speak to who are, this information is foreign, I think that I do really well with making those everyday life applications and infusing a little bit of excitement and left because i'm a goofball like i really i really try to be yeah serious. i really do but it never <laughs> but but <laughs> and, and and i think i mean i'm a, i'm one of the kind of people who believes so maybe we are gonna get spiritual because I mean, you know why not if we've got spiritual people in the space um i think god is in everything period i think god is in everything and so i'm like god has to be goofy i, I mean he's the author of joy as it says i forgot somewhere in jeremiah he talks about that like he yeah god god jokes god you know he, so <laughs> so i'm like yeah all the things all the things absolutely <laughs> okay so um the one thing i am thinking about you know this is a show about yeah. black folks this is a show where we talk about like what it means to be black and sexy and contend with these systems and structures that we're impacted by and then how sex ed informs that. So when thinking about sexuality and thinking about black folks, what is one area or maybe there's multiple areas where you're like, you know what y'all, I think we get Mm. this wrong or I think we can do better around this particular thing. What, what what would you say is that thing in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that that there is a way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we black folks and and this, as a survival tactic, I, I I don't I want to be able to honor the trauma in which a lot of this is birthed out of because of what we you know been through. Like there, what we had to be right with our desire, being right, getting it right, doing it the right way, which most times leans into this proximity to whiteness it was literally yeah a life or death matter right but in spaces where it's not necessarily a life or death matter we still have to be right we make an idol out of certainty we do not do well with nuance or gray areas like there is a yes and there is a no there is a right there is a wrong there's a us there's mm-hmm. a them and you know and i think when it comes to sexuality there is either you are freak or you approve the horror madonna like there's no and even in our like cultural context of like i want a lady in the street and a freak in the sheets it's still like this dichotomy that you like there's no way we don't understand way most often how to embody multiple aspects or facets of a identity and live it out like and that's what compartmentalization is that's what code switching is it's mm-hmm. all the things that we can't just and because there is a we feel like there is a way to be we're always on this search of this journey to kind of find that thing or reach that that zone of and so we're always doing and performing and never just being yeah 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 now it's interesting that you say that because um i definitely agree that we have those struggles with like I got, well, I got to be like this or I got to be, you know, I don't want to be perceived mm-hmm. a particular way. And yet mm-hmm. for me, it is that that is the byproduct. That's as much of a byproduct of what you didn't say explicitly, but I name it explicitly white supremacy, anti-blackness and all of that yeah. um, to where mm-hmm. actually when we are in our spaces with each other, we can very much be the both and like we live our lives very much in the both and we just don't want to admit it. Right. So we like 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 I think of uh, Beyonce with Church Girl, the song that just came out. It's like to me that, yes, it's a it's a wonderful song, but it's not avant garde for to be churchy and also twerking and like willing to like drop it and all those things. But there there seems to be this performance that happens that is like directly from like, okay, I have to be like you said, close to whiteness. I have to be performing whiteness as much as possible without fully going there because I can't ever fully actually be white. So I'm curious your thought. Well, you're shaking your head. So I assume. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And I think that even in the revert, like it's almost like this idea as we pursue freedom, 
and I think in this dispensation of life or generation or in the we've moved away from there's an app for that to there's a hack for that like TikTok we we off iPhone apps and now right right like, right you know TikTok is a hack for everything and I think that we are you know there's this misunderstanding or even misappropriation of what freedom looks like because we then become tethered to still tethered to the thing or whatever that oppressive thing that we're thought because we are now at all costs going against it whether we really feel it is a problem yeah. or not just to say that we are deconstructing is everybody's favorite word mm-hmm. tearing down the opposition or whatever but the thing is that you're still controlled by the thing if that is all your primary you know focus is and i agree that there is it's not avant-garde like to to be a trick girl and twerk and all those things and i think a lot of people you know the sample in a twinkie yeah. and all of that like people who yeah. are like that's that's what the hardest part for them to wrap their head around and also a lot of church folks are, love beyonce mm-hmm. like love yeah our car carrying beehive members and so now the church girl song has them having to defend their either fandom yeah and or and or their faith and so that song for whatever reason is like now it's like a, it's given choose who <laughs> you yeah 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 line in the sand okay. so let me let me pause yeah. you real quick because i know they're gonna be folks who are not black who are like who is twinkie so let's go ahead and break it down so um so church girl makes uh it samples a a segment of a a song or music that is produced by a legend in the gospel um genre um twinkie clark I, I'm like, I don't even, I know we know her real name, but I'm like, I don't know her other than Twinkie. Like, <laughs> Twinkie. I, I, and I didn't know that Twinkie was. <laughs> well, you you know how so, we do. We have the name that is like right. Bernitha and then there's like right. Junie, you know, whatever that we call them. But um, yeah, so the clip is, is and it, it was so interesting because before the album came out, I saw a video of her saying, you know, thank you so much for using my music. I hope it ministers to your soul so when the song came out i was like did she know this was gonna be used this way i don't know and that's the other thing they felt like that like people are now fighting battles that aren't their own like twinkie didn't know and this and that and then you have then that's when the infighting happens and now we are you know how you know grandma used to say don't be out there acting up in front yes of the yeah like, you know now we on social media fighting and doing the things and it's just like if you did, if you don't like the song, you don't like music, then fill your feels. Like fill, fill away. Like I am, I am a church girl who oh, I don't twerk in public, but who also twerks. But I and I didn't particularly care mm-hmm. for the song, but I don't need to feel like. And I also really love Beyonce, but I wasn't like my faith wasn't conflicted yeah. in that way, and I also don't feel the need to write page long think pieces about right. it either because you know and you're a sexologist and then you're a Christian sexologist Brittany what do you think about church girl I don't, and it, see I don't like the song I'm not gonna play the song right right it. and that's it, what you actually saying that makes me think of something else that I feel like I feel like often as black sexologists we all kind of come under fire for stuff like this or it, or just in social justice spaces yeah. period um but especially yeah. with when these other intersections come through because I think it's less about I want to know what you think more so than I want you to either approve or sanction however it is yeah. that I feel whether I'm for it yeah, or I'm against it because I think there's also this piece of like people not they don't it's not that they don't like the song they don't like that they like the song and it's like the, oh my God, like this makes me want to be happy. And yep. that goes against what I've been taught yep. about, you know, my sexual freedom, yep. my sexuality, or or just what's right and yep. good. Um, yep. Because it's, I'm like, no, especially knowing the Clark sister story, at this point, I'm like, right. I don't think Twinkie would actually be mad. <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing that, and if, and if Twinkie is just like the whole issue with Khalees. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. What, like people who have, people are going to have their feels. And that is really like this group think when it comes to emotions or really expressed emotions, because we all know that the emotions that you express don't always line up right. with what you feel, right? Because social media says that everybody has to have- You have to opinion, react. And when there, <laughs> right, when there are things that are viral, we have to have opinion if you don't say something. So I think even beyond 
how they have to make a decision about how they feel about the song. They are struggling with the fact that they enjoy Beyonce as an mm-hmm. artist. And now this particular song made it hard for them to defend their yes. choice to go to her concerts or listen to her music or wear their shirt because I didn't bought the box. <laughs> I bought the Beyonce box. So please know I'm look not. i still wear the old right. ones honestly I, I still wore the i wore the boycott beyonce one the other day so <laughs> i'm gonna wear it i don't i don't i don't like the church mm-hmm. but please know that beyonce and her little rhinestone situation on that horse <laughs> you know what i mean feel how you feel right. it is what it is and i think that we struggle like we really really and that's again it goes back to the the earlier question about the like black or white we really struggle with cognitive dissonance and like yeah, yeah, this, yeah. like we, we don't like it yeah. and so to the point where because we need to we feel like we have to make a decision we pick the one that feels the most right but then that conflict shows yeah. up in other ways because it doesn't really speak to who we who we, yeah. who we are and then we perpetuate us not being seen because we hide ourselves we silence yeah. ourselves and some of it too i think is out and learning in my own journey as a black person with faith that mm-hmm. it's also the discomfort of just being with the gray and recognizing that sometimes there is no set answer sometimes it is literally just yep. the both and and you cannot fix it you cannot move it one way or the other it just is like but the great is the walk like now that we talk about that but like that is that is why his grace is mm-hmm. sufficient because of the great if it was mm-hmm. black or white it wouldn't need to be and and as and what i hear because i think yes in the within the christian faith specifically there's that and i think there's also a parallel that can be made for those who are not of the christian faith of like that is the walk of life like that is the life of you yeah. we are we could i think it's a I, I don't know what the poet is, the poet who says it, but they say we contain multitudes. We are just all of these things. Mm-hmm. There is no one thing mm-hmm. or the other. And especially with black folks, we are sacred and secular. That is just, that has been the fact of us. And white supremacy, mm-hmm. I believe, has tried to make us believe in that platonic split as if you can be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whiteness mm-hmm. ain't one or the other. So what makes you think any of us gonna be one or the other? That's just a lie, mm-hmm. right? So. But I think this is a perfect parallel to another question and I that I'd love to have you talk about. I think and I think you knew me, so I was gonna it's gonna you know, gonna mm-hmm. ask the tough questions about this, particularly given its connection to white supremacy. You know, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile the ways that the church itself kind of perpetuates some of this in the ways that it has been carried out? And, you know, and I think another way to ask that is just kind of like, how do you reconcile faith or, or people's having these crises of faith or, or their struggles with faith, knowing that we got into this faith because of this, you know, we got introduced to this through yeah. these systems and structures of racism and anti-blackness yeah. and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I think that I think that that's the part that as a whole like holistically, like hook, line, and sink, I think I may have a slight disagreement with. I don't know if we were introduced to it through the systems and the, the structures of white. I think that faith, we religion, mm-hmm. yes, because the religion is a system, is a structure, and any system in this country is going to be affected by the ills of white supremacy. It's just impossible not mm-hmm. to be, right? But I think that the experience with faith is rooted in who we are in our purity as black people that is we well absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah 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 and so to but and so that's the thinking that and believing that is how i reconcile because for me religion the structure the system is subject to human frailty human finiteness and so the ills of it is a result of the spiritual thought of oh we live in a fallen world but also just humans aren't perfect like whether you are believe in Jesus or not, you know, mm-hmm. the humans will fail you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I have been able to, and in my, my platform, I speak to really the gospel. And so for, like this concept of having to recover from a thing or deconstruct the thing, if you have to recover from it, it wasn't the gospel. If you had to deconstruct it, it wasn't the gospel because the gospel is transformative. The life and times of Jesus Christ and what he came to do to fulfill the law and all things is transformative. So if you're doing anything but changing, growing, healing, 
in some way, shape, or form, not all the way, don't throw the baby out with the with the bath water, but somewhere somewhere somebody infused their own stuff mm-hmm. in the thing and it was that ill that harmed you, not faith itself. Mm-hmm. And I also am mourning or not even mourning, grieving for our people who whose faith is still connected to again that pursuit of white proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, again, the infighting that it caused, like there's a big issue and talk right now about Maverick City Music and CCM, how that's not gospel and how the CCM folks are taking some of our really CCM like, being contemporary Christian, Christian yep. music. Okay. It's, like, music. it's been a while, but I'm like, okay, some of these terms I think yeah. I remember. Okay. Right. Yes. And so, you know, Maverick City and, um, Chandler Moore, they're on tour with, um, Kirk Franklin and it's like amazing and Naomi Rain, I think that's her last name, it's like her, like she is like the Kimberell of our time as far as voices and so the style of music, it doesn't really it's not really heavy organ, it's not really heavy, a whole bunch of drums, you know CCM, they get their, you know, they guitar and they piano and all mm-hmm. things, and so there's fighting about whether that's gospel and how it's whitewashed and all the things but also we have to recognize again the ill of the system what ccm movements white church white evangelical churches they have a larger budget and so our folks are drawn may in part are drawn they're not that jesus doesn't live there as well so they could be drawn there by the the ministry itself but also like they got families to feed mm-hmm. and so i want to i want to be at the back home church with the hardwood floors and the tambourine i want to sing there i want to play there but the two hundred dollars a week that they give me is fairly mm. compared to that I'm on salaries of fifty thousand dollars and I got life insurance. And and see, yes. And that and I think that's where I'm kinda like, oof, it makes it difficult and, and I and I appreciate you really recognize or like establishing the distinction between the faith and the system. Mm. Because I agree. I be, you know, I believe it, it's inherent to Afro Africanity that we are spiritual, that that like we I, I have a personal belief that we are the moral conscience of the world. Like black folks are just the moral conscience oh, of the world it. in all ways. And I can't say that I don't believe that Christianity through colonization hasn't done a terrible number on people throughout the world and especially black folks. And I think it comes yeah. up in conversations like this when it's like when we're making departures from the very thing that distinguishes us from you know, the ethos, the spirit yeah. that distinguishes yeah. us from populations all over the world yeah. and because we need that money or because yeah. we don't want to sit in church for four hours or because, yeah. you know, these other things and we don't acknowledge the ways that all of this has really just really been harmful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's so I so I think my question and, and, and this is before we even get into the specific harm that has been experienced by LGBTQ populations and, and folks who, you know, didn't perform sex the way that the church said they should, right? So again, you know, I, like I, I was very intentional of talking about being a, from a single mother and a single grandmother, like, yeah, yeah we were allowed to be in church, but to lead or into like, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't fit the norm, even though nobody yeah. in our church fit the norm, which is a whole other subject. But, you know, I think about that. So I guess my question would be, how do you reconcile all that when you go into a space and you're helping people access those parts of themselves how do you reconcile that with this structure that has had very historical harms in the sexual realm with folks i you know what is that it's difficult to put it plainly and again i think that the the reconciliation is also the work right it's also Mm. the walk and discipleship sanctification all of those things that are like processes reconciling those things is also that i don't know if and this and i i'm i'm struggling internally with is this a pessimistic view but i don't know if it will be fully reconciled Mm. until Mm -hmm. the day of jesus's return because some of these things were just outside of our control like Mm -hmm. the like it is written in the ethos of the black story the black experience and you know, the transatlantic slave trade and the ills of white supremacy, the ills of white evangelical, like it's a part of our story. And I think that it's not the sum total. The ill of white supremacy is to make that the sum total of our story, which we know that that mm. is not, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the reconciliation, the work, the joy, the hope, the perseverance to keep going is to, to see 
to continuously expand your view of what the black experience, the black Christian experience, the black faith experience is, even starting with recognizing that Christianity is not the white man's religion. It mm -hmm. was in Africa far before the colonizers took it in and, you know, manipulated it and weaponized it mm -hmm. against us. And so I don't know if until the day of Jesus' return, if it will ever be fully recognized or reconciled and he tells us what was the what was the point that we <laughs> what was the reason what was the reason <laughs> like you know what i mean and i have those right. questions and i love that i in my faith context that i can ask questions i can question god like i don't under like i don't play with god like i don't want no smoke with him mm -hmm. but i got questions and right. i believe that he you know said that i want to know why is it if it's that you know that which is last for one day be first and you know wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous and all of those things but when i think about white christians that are wealthy and here and by all intents and purposes as much as their whiteness will allow they aren't terrible people right right so they get heaven on earth and then a second heaven how is that fair Mm -hmm. And so that like being able to ask those questions is part of the reconciliation because mm -hmm. there was a time where we couldn't even question, do as I say, not as I do, because I said so for that, you must die. That was our, that was us for a while, for a long time, like because right. the Bible says so, or Jesus said with no real space to be like, but is that what he meant? How is it different in first century Jerusalem versus 21st century Philadelphia? Like being able to question the system mm -hmm. is part of that reconciliation process. And I believe you know, if we look at, you know, the implicit model, I believe the permission given to ask why, to question, to not understand, to be confused, to stay stagnant until we, to not really make a decision. I think that's part of the work. I don't know if we'll ever get to the place where mm -hmm. it's all summed up and like, okay, this is it. And we all good with the thing. Like, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But wow. And, but I think you do just in hearing what you're saying, I think, you have a great setup for and my next question that I'm going to ask, but it, it's a great setup for allowing people to locate themselves within this journey and within yeah. the work of like figuring out who they are sexually, how they want to be, how they, how they do their own reconciliation work versus which, which, and, and I would argue my understanding of faith is that that is the ultimate goal, right? Like there's the preacher and the pastor and the one thing, but at the end of the day, you got to figure it out for yourself. So, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's actually pretty amazing. Um, so, so to get to that next question, talk a little bit more about what you do, the nuts and bolts of what it is that you do with people, um, whether it's a group or individuals, et cetera. Yeah, so as a, um, originally, I think just to reach back for when I was explaining like what I do and how I came here, originally I was just a, a sexologist who happened to be Christian. Mm -hmm. And then when that, that pool was just too much, like, and I was struggling, like, do I give ASEC and those other people, like the sexuality field, Jesus, or do I give the Jesus folk sex? Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, a revelation. Actually, Melissa Pinsworth, and I will always credit her. Melissa Pinsworth. Yes, Melissa. I love her. Sex Positive Families said to me, she said, you don't have to do either. You find your people and you speak to them. Yep. You speak what they, the, the language that they need in the way that they need it. And then that will draw all everybody, whoever your people are, whether it's a community, whether it's an individual, whether it's a church, whether it's an organization, those who need what you have will come. Mm -hmm. And when I streamlined my language and my position and made clear my position and all of those things, that's when just business wise, everything changed for me. So what I do on a daily basis is I'm very clear that my heart, my ideal demographic are black Christian, black Christian women specifically, but just black Christians who are on that reconciliation walk. They're trying to reconcile who they are as sexual beings with who they are as believers and from the premise of there, it should have never been fractured. It, should, it never should have had to be mm -hmm. reconciled because they are one. And so I daily work through like one-on-one -on -one coaching, the shenanigans on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, speaking at churches, speaking with organizations, training to bridge the gap between the science and the scripture of mm -hmm. sex, intimacy, and, um, and relationships, really understanding helping people see through, you know, my daring discussions, game night, and even with my vulva and me, that 
God and the Bible are inherently sex positive, but mm-hmm. your experience with sex negativity had some human influence that yeah. we have to, you know, kind to kind of figure it out. And I, in my experience, my personal and professional journey, even with the folks I work with, I learned that the more we get into this walk, the more we do this work, the more we love Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I love him more and more, the more that I do. I'm like, yo, you gave me a clitoris. <laughs> You was up there like on the sixth day, like humanity, but (laughs) clitoris. And I'm like, so when he was so much Christian said he knew you before and before you were formed in your mother's womb and loved you. I'm like, you love me that like love, love. No, for real love. That that kind of love. Honestly, like for real. Like and and so that's just and, and to see like models that I really appreciate, like the circles of sexuality, to see them come alive in scripture and not like eisegetically, which means like eisegesis is the way we put something on the text, whereas exegesis is where you unpack the text. So we mm-hmm. don't want to eisegete nothing. And I'm not even, not even being eisegetical because that's my biggest fear as a Christian sexologist yeah. is to eisegete. But even exegeting text and really seeing plainly yeah. the circles of sexuality and really how science is informed by scripture. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, it, so that, that, <laughs> I don't know the answer to your question is what I do, because I do it all. I show up where I'm needed for the people that I've come to serve in whatever capacity to, to, to do that work, to bridge the gap. Yeah. Between the and the yeah. But no, it sounds like, it sounds like a lot of um, really just facilitating a space for folks to, to do that cognitive work that you're talking about, about reconciling this, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that they've been taught and and really doing that assessment of like, okay, how much of this is flesh or man or or man-made and how much of this is really authentic to me and and what I understand my relationship with with Christ and and to be. And I think that's pretty, yeah, that that answered the question. That is pretty Mm -hmm. powerful to me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... We, we have a few more questions to ask, but before we get there, I, I want to I always try to have a moment where I invite folks to kind of talk to like the person who's listening, who's like, all right, Brittany, I hear you. Everything you're saying, I, I, I rock with it. How do I begin? Maybe they have children. Maybe they have young people that they're, they're working with, or maybe they're just, you know, they've grown up in that structure of like yeah. sex negativity. We don't do it like this. What you mean? Yeah. yeah. God gave me a clitoris, but I'm not supposed to enjoy it and all of that. Yeah. What would you say to that person who's listening right now? I would say this is an exercise that I do with my folks in coaching. Like we kind of go through their sexual script, like write out if they can do it in plain English and plain sentences, everything that they think about sex, what sex is supposed to be, who gets to have it, all of those, like where to find it, what it's supposed to feel like, whatever, whatever you think, like write it out as much as you can. And then if there is warring or tearing because of the scriptural or faith basis, where did that thought come from? What supports or what are the evidence that you have to affirm that thought? And I work with them and walk through the scripture and making sure we're applying it in the context and all of that kind of thing, because the work is not to make you believe what I believe or make you feel what I feel. It's values clarification. Like, why mm. do you, what do you think about this thing and feel about the thing? And is it actually your thought and feeling or something that you're parroting because it was fed to you? Right. Um, and so through that process, so I would, that's where we start. Like, because a lot of times we have all these things in our head and feel, and we kind of repeat like common, that's that group think issue, right? Like we, we say things over and over and over again. That's how cleanliness is next to godliness became a scripture when it is not. And so, You know how I heard that, right? You just said cleanliness, but you know what I heard, right? <laughs> I straight up heard cunnilingus is next to godliness. And I was like, amen. <laughs> Honestly and truly, if the Song of Solomon is any indication, it really truly <laughs> I mean, I'm just that's yeah, okay. so that, <laughs> right. So that's why I told you it's my like, heathen ears. Is it? <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That one, that one, work. you know, broke clock is right twice a day. So that works. <laughs> that works. But I think that it really starts with the values clarification. That is where you start. Like, get out, get whatever's in out, lay it all out, you know, 
on a like how we do same way we do vision boards or if we're decluttering and all that you got to pull it all out so you can see all that you have mm-hmm. and then be able to throw away that's what that which is not yours like do you really believe that red nails are for jezebels no and if you do believe that let me then that's when i come in like let me tell you who jezebel actually was mm-hmm. she was manipulative she was a idol worshiper. She worshiped false gods. Some of that idol worship had some sexual connotations, but she was not a, a, a whore. Mm-hmm. She was not sexually promiscuous. She was very much a married woman. And red, red polish had nothing to do with it. <laughs> nothing at all. She very much sold seeds of discord. Jezebel, that spirit of Jezebel is not an inherently female woman thing. Also, that's how we break, break it all down. But if it's not yours, you don't really believe it. I don't really think that. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. Throw it away. No longer to hold. And then that which remains, then we begin to work through, okay, what does this thought, like, I believe that my husband should be the one to initiate sex. Cool. That's what you think? What? How would that show up in your life? What? Mm-hmm. How does it serve you? What? What is your responsibility around holding this value? Because when we have our values, there's responsibilities around it, right? Mm-hmm. You believe God honors abstinence until marriage? That means you're going to be not having sex and having to deal with your arousal and desire and mm-hmm. wet vaginas and erect penises and not have anywhere to go with them until you get married. So what is the responsibility associated with that? And then we begin to map out life moving forward. But for those of us, who, those who are not working with me or hiding by, they can walk through this with, start with what do you believe? And then go to your faith leader to kind of unpack the things that you may be unsure about. Go through, if you have a pastor or a small group leader, a Christian counselor or whoever, like go somebody, because a lot of times you, you don't want to be your own echo chamber. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you say, you think some stuff and then you say it out loud to somebody and they be like, that's dumb. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I don't know where that came from. And uh-huh. then, yeah, that's what, that's what I would start with. Okay. Okay. You actually made me think of another question. Do you ever work with people? Like, do you ever, you, you say you don't want to, have folks thinking what you believe, but do you ever have a moment where you, where someone says something and it's like, okay, so let's sit with this. Is this mm-hmm. beneficial? Like, do you, where you challenge people to kind of think through? Oh. Like, I, like I think about even something as simple as like, oh well, my husband should make five hundred thousand dollars a year and da 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 da. And it's like, okay, well, let's think about that. Is that yeah. really beneficial? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I absolutely, I challenge, I challenge my people the most, and I, it's really birthed out of my love for Black women. I challenge though the thoughts or the assertions that I don't, that I believe causes harm mm-hmm. to them or blocks their access to pleasure in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. But again, I still give them permission to hold that thought if they want, but we just begin to explore, like you said, like how does that work for you? How does that serve you? How does that... Um, that harm you because we can't, I can't be, even as a coach, I can't be one hand clapping. You gotta, you gotta want this thing yourself. And so sometimes people are so tethered to those thoughts that it becomes a part of their identity. So snatching that from them is making them have this crisis of identity that, and I'm, I, though I am clinically trained as an intimacy coach, I'm not your therapist. And so I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hold on to it? That's your business. But I do think, especially those, like I said, that is harmful like health wise, like mm-hmm. I'm a, I want to numb. I'm going to, I want to have anal sex. I'm going to use a numbing cream. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to use a numbing cream. You're not going to numb your, your anus. You're not going to numb your throat. You need to feel the feel so you can know what's working that, that I'll do that. Right. Or if it's like overtly scripturally erroneous, mm-hmm. then I'm like, mm-hmm. then we, and we're going to take it to the commentary. We're going, we're going to take a pause, put a pen in this, and then we're going to talk about that. Um, but then again, if that's not what they think or believe, or it doesn't, align with their doctrinal positions or their, you know, I can't do much after that. But mm-hmm. even in like in comments, like I will only go back and forth, but a certain, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Once I realize that, okay, you're committed to this thought. Then that's it. Go, that's it. Go with, go with Got God. It. But I also say that I am not your guilt gatekeeper. And so when people ask me, Brittany, what do you think about this? What's your thoughts on blah, blah, blah. My first question is what, how will me telling you what I think serve you? Mm-hmm. And if you want to adopt my thoughts as your own, that's not going to work. Like, yeah. you, need to, you need to figure out because then you're not going to get to the Because when, when he get up there, he ain't going to ask you about me. He going to yeah. ask you about you. Right. And so I don't want you to take on my thoughts. I don't want you to take on my thoughts as yours or look at me because I'm a Christian who's talking about sex. 
as a place for permission. Like, I'm, yeah, I, as a green light to go wild yeah. out. And yeah. 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 It, it, this is such a powerful conversation, I think, because like I like I, I always say a tongue in cheek that I'm a heathen, but I'm, I'm very clear that I know God. And one mm-hmm. of the, the scriptures that has come up for me a lot within the last month or two and maybe even longer than that. But I'm really starting to pay attention is um everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Yep. And I think about that quite often in our field because there's like if people were to assume my position on stuff, they would think, oh, Tracy just out here. She just lied, blah, 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 blah. And the thing I realize is like it is not my place to tell people what I think they should be doing outside of my the only the choice that I make around systems of oppression and being like, no, your whiteness will not be tolerated. Your white, like that sort of thing. But when it comes to, you know, if you're going to go get a train, look, no, I, I, it is not my place to tell you that you need to be doing what I think you should be doing. Now I will tell you my opinion if you ask for it, but what you do with it is what you do with it. And, and so, um, and I, and I fight very hard for people's capacity to think for themselves because that's the type of educator I am. And so I really appreciate the way you kind of break that down, because I think yeah. it could be easily conflated that, oh, well, you know, yeah. that means Britney's get this and Britney is trying to make people do this. And, da, 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 da. Yeah. and it's like, I don't oh, hear yeah. that, hear that in what you're saying at all. And a lot of the pushback that I get is because of that. But then also a lot of attention that I get is because of that. And mm. I don't I would rather people push back because they think I'm trying to make everybody freaks. Then people come to me because you think I'm going to make I'm going to try to make you a freak. I, I push for sexual authenticity. Mm, yes. And yes. so whatever that looks like for you, that is what my motivation is for you to, um, I don't want you to participate in anything you feel like you have to, but I also don't want you to leave any pleasure on the table because of bad information or bad theology and all that. But right. whatever your sexual itinerary or agendas or dreams or fantasies look like, I want them to be birthed out of your own taste and desires like don't come to me because you think i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you dildos and deep throat (laughs) because you're gonna get doctor come on that's a that's a session dildos and deep throats that's a workshop (laughs) come on with it okay because you're gonna get doctrine over here not dogma (laughs) but you're gonna get some doctrine over here like and so just be aware i have to tell folks all of the time and i even challenge myself to look at spaces where because I lean into pop culture and all of that, where there can be some confusion mm-hmm. about why I do this. Like I, this is very much my evangelism. This is very much my witnessing tool. So it's my tracks. Like I'm handing out tracks. I am doing reels about sex yes. and Jesus. Like yes. that's just what I, you know, what it is. And I think that is important for people to, again, like I, I like you said, like I had tweeted the other day about sexual freedom as a Christian does not mean removing the conviction and going to do whatever you want. It is sitting with what your desires are, what your values are, and finding your home in the intersection between the two. Because there are some things that you're going to want to do that God is like, mm-hmm. and there are some things that God could give a flying refrigerator magnet about. And you're like, and mm-hmm. you know, it's and that's okay. Both of those things are okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we so before we move on to my last question, let's talk about my vulva and me. You got to talk about that definitely. Aww. So I love my vulva and me. My vulva and me was a pandemic project that was literally supposed to be just ten do's and don't tips on like vulva hygiene. Mm-hmm. Then from there, pandemic, that's, I was in, the, in 2019, the end of 2019, that was, was being developed. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic hit and everybody was on Zoom. And I was like, I don't see, a, like, I know the black, the girls, the girls in the black sexuality feel like we, we have it and we do our thing, but right. the world needs to see that we get to do our thing and what, and the magic that is created when we're together. Right. We always do our thing. In other people's spaces, I wanted to create a space where this was just our space and see that magic come out. So I started as just a web series, uh, two weeks in May, and then two weeks for November, um, in honor of um, Sex Ed for All Month and Masturbation Month and Mental Health Month and all those things in May. And then November, we did two and two. And then from there, the stories, and I wanted it to be rooted in the oral, to, oral tradition that is like, it's education, but it's still us. Yeah. Um, and from there, I was like, we need to write these down. 
And so it really was just like giving black women the space to write and tell their stories from their voice. And that's where the, the first My Vulva and Me came about. And then it just really honestly took on a life of its own. And we are now in May will be, or November will be season five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five or six. Yeah. And we're on a third book. The second book was um, Dear Little Black Girl, where Black women wrote letters to their younger selves. Mm -hmm. And the third one was Dear Mama, where Black women wrote letters to their moms. And I was not expecting the response to it. And to date, we've almost, there's almost 100 women. I think we're at like 92 Black women who are now published authors. Mm -hmm. With Mm -hmm. with ISBN numbers. Yeah. So it's not a money project. I spend ungodly amounts of money to make my father and me happen and I'm praying for a sponsor coming up but it all but the joy that black women express from being able to tell their story being Mm -hmm. able to be published like their name being in the book having a release party and all of that kind of stuff like it's just amazing to me and as much as I try to put it down because it's expensive because it's time consuming like We've been in the pandemic a little over, what, two and a half years now. And mm-hmm. I've put out three books in yeah. two and a half years. Like, that's... Oh, it's unheard. it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible, yeah. definitely. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not for me. And I understand that this is the ministry. As much of, I feel like everything that I do is ministry. The ministry, the the this, the this is Jesus or giving Jesus is through... My Vulva Me, which is for, by, and about Black women. So whatever iteration that it comes out, we've tried, we've done a group coaching program. Now it's a workbook on building sexual confidence as an abstinent Christian um, woman. Mm-hmm. And really like that relationship, when you think about your relationship as a Black woman or as a woman to your vulva, there are parallels to every other relationship that you have mm-hmm. in your life. And the amazing opportunity to have docs on Trace Lake well and it's so funny it's so funny because you know I you know I've been watching and I had the 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 joy of being on your one of your webisode series and had a a really fun time and (laughs) When the books came out, I was like, okay, okay. And like I said, I, you know, as I told you behind the scenes, I was like, I ain't got nothing to say about my vulva. I'm okay. And, um, but I think the pandemic has been very transformative for me in terms of really breaking down a lot of the things I had built about my public identity. One of the main ones Mm -hmm. is that I got to be out here on social media. I got to be, I got to be doing what y'all do, right? Like you, like you've heard the folks listening, you've heard Brittany talk a lot about her social media, which is an awesome account. The Intimacy Firm, go follow it on Instagram. Always got really um, amazing content. And I think before I got to understand my own self and and just got through some therapeutic things that helped me understand certain things for me, I was under the mindset of like, oh, well, if we're going to be in quarantine, I need to be out here too. I need to make myself seen and, you know, do all of these things too and, and quickly burnt out. So by the time, basically by the time the book came out, like I had a whole intention, but nothing was coming until after I started reading the book. And it was like, okay, here's what, here's what I need to say to the little girl in me. And so it was kind of like a P.S. Here's one more story. (laughs) But I definitely saw the benefit and the value of that. And and just in the the other stories I heard, I mean, I've heard some really amazing things that people have shared in those stories, both to the little girl and then to their mother. And I think that's a whole other episode (laughs) that we can do. So we won't get into it. But um, I definitely agree with you about the different the difference too between our work the thing that we do to earn money and then the thing that is our ministry like I think in mm-hmm. a lot of ways I would love to have a sponsor for TSOB but what's coming clear to me is that this is less about a money generating thing more so than just mm-hmm. the thing I am compelled to do because of the animating energy in me that is like I need you to do this so um I can definitely resonate with that um last formal question and then I got my rapid fires okay so just thinking of, and especially keeping in mind the pandemic, because this was my pandemic project and it was at a time where I just definitely felt that things were changing. And I still feel like we're in this really transformative space. And I invite you to, to share what you feel like your significance or your role is in this time. Mm-hmm. As someone who has the identity that you have, who who takes the position that you have in this work, what do you feel like your... And if you even want to go there, your legacy, what you feel like your impact is being who you are in this work at this time. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think it's it's the impact or my legacy for like just overall whether the pandemic happened or not. But I think the pandemic served to give the people an opportunity to do it without external factors, if that makes sense. So I think that my legacy is to, again, encourage people to just be, to not have to perform, to not have to put on, to not have to jockey for position. Like they're stand flat footed in their authentic selves, desires, pleasures, callings, you know, whatever. And I think the pandemic with the quarantine and isolation and all that, people had to get to know themselves all over again. People learned a lot about themselves. Mm-hmm. Couples learned about a lot about each other. Parents learned a lot about their kids and by you know, and vice versa. Like I was able to see my children in a different way. I showed up as a different parent. Like I learned that I like I affirmed the the what is this thing called? The Padini Press affirmed that I actually am a good mother. And that was one of the things that I struggled with because motherhood wasn't anything that I ever desired for myself. It just, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. But I think that what I will continue to do is help black women who love Jesus be able to stand flat footed and love what they love, but also know why they love Jesus. Because at the because you can't have the conversation about the black experience without talking about Jesus. Some people just love Jesus just because you can't talk about the black experience without talking about Jesus, right? People say right. churchy lingo without like that's a word, preach. All people ain't never stepped foot in church, but like preach, you don't need like, Oh yeah. Like you know, yeah. That, it's a whole lot of folks ain't never been right? in church, and but will tell you what thus said the Lord. Honey, that's a cultural appropriation <laughs> in a whole nother way, but we don't we don't have time to talk about it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying and I feel like people this work that I am doing is helping black women say I love Jesus and sex and don't feel no ways tied about it but have content and context as to why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay oh, this has been awesome I'm so excited that you we were able to work this out you ready for the rapid fire questions oh, Hold on, let me take a deep breath because you make me feel smart. And so I feel like I've been working this last hour. But you are smart. No, but when, when you around, uh, when you around Dr. Kell, but you have to come. You have to come with all the thoughts. All the thoughts. Well, I will say, these are just sentence stems. They're very easy. Mm-hmm. You only say the first thing that comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. So you make me think. You got to have all the polysyllabic words. <laughs> You have to have the nuance. You have to unpack. You have to sit with. You have to have the thing. I mean, I'm not even going to hold you. Yes. Yes, you do. Okay. But I wouldn't invite you if I didn't think you couldn't do it. So All right. <laughs> okay. So the first prompt is sexiness is freeing. Mm-hmm. The sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is creativity. I say. My go-to for feeling sexy is. <laughs> for the folks listening, you didn't see, you can't see this, but Brittany just wiped her I neck. I get it. Oh, I Woo, like, like she had it. She got a massage it out yeah, her throat. <laughs> my go-to is like top to tail maintenance. Like my hair's done. Yes. My nails done, my feet done. Yes. Besides, I'm moisturized. You know that. Yes. Like, I don't even have to have like any lingerie or anything on. But like, if I'm if my hair, you know, I got my fresh retie because you know I'm a lot girl now. <laughs> so my fresh oh, is that what? Join the club. I was looking, and I was like, I don't, I don't those look These a little locked. But like, yes, hey. so, give me a full set, fresh pedicure, and a, I'm really getting into ancient cosmetics like body oils now. Yes, what I got on some lingerie or a ball gown or some sweatpants. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm love it. Yes, it. I've gotten into that lot too this past two years. Really reclaiming what I feel like has been lost in that journey mm-hmm. of like trying to survive. You don't get to yeah. enjoy things. Ooh, you just yeah. got to pay bills. Okay. And it's and like, nope, actually. And, and don't be in school now because really like what is sexy? Self-care. What? No. Homework. <laughs> homework. When, listen, I say this. All, I used to say this all the time. I was like, going to school for sex is the most unsexy thing okay. ever. Yes, <laughs> like becoming a sexologist is the least sexy Literally. thing you could do. Literally. 
Period. Because there's nothing <laughs> sexy about watching porn in a room with 20 people in the dark. Look, look, folks ain't ready. And then, and then you got to talk about it. Well, how do you feel about, you know, this, this, this sex scene with the urination and the black, you know, two people in the it's like actually okay on Sunday morning when normally you're supposed to be in praise and worship right now, but watching this group orgy. So no, there's nothing sexy about it whatsoever. <laughs> all right, all right, two more, two more left. Sexual freedom for Black folk is achieved when we are authentically ourselves. Ashay, Ashay, and the last one. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will. I'm going to wash these clothes and pack because when I leave my house tomorrow, I won't be back until September. So I have to pack for the rest oh, of the Oh, wow. Rough. Because what does that even mean? How do, I don't even own that many clothes. <laughs> like, it really is crazy. So, yes, that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Brittany, this, again, this has just been a really amazing, phenomenal conversation. Before we get out of here, tell the folks listening where they can find you, what projects you've got coming up, like all the things that they can do to support you. Absolutely. I am at the Intimacy Firm on pretty much everything, Instagram, TikTok. I'm working to build my YouTube page. So if you want to follow me on YouTube and TikTok, that would be great. But all of, most of the shenanigans happens on Instagram. My website is theintimacyfirm.com if you're looking to connect with me for coaching or any of those kind of things. And I just was, I don't know if it's elevated or whatever the, pro, I don't know the lingo, but on Instagram now, I now have subscribers where you can- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Content. So mm-hmm. build that up. So a lot of the things that I feel like the, the saints of God, that all the saints ain't ready for is where the subscriber only content will, will be. So join me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said IG just said they're gonna be all the things. We'll we'll be OnlyFans, we'll be TikTok, okay. we're gonna be we Tumblr, we're gonna be all the things. Clubhouse, all the things. <laughs> So we're gonna get all the school. You're gonna get all of all of it. All of it. But but the intimacy firm, y'all heard that. Again, thank you, thank you so much for being here. And I'm just um I'm really just happy that I will say because I'm very much like, yeah, spirit told me, God told me, my people told me. Like I'm I'm I use that language all the time. Like I'm very glad that spirit brought our connection because I think this is kind of outside of sexology yet, but I think my journey through faith has really um there have been moments where I, as soon as I was like, you know what, I'm about done with this. Spirit was like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, just wait for it. I got something. So, <laughs> getting knowing you and knowing the work you do, I'm like, okay, God, I see it. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> so, anywho, um, with that, we are done, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Um, enjoy whatever it is that you are doing once you leave here, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G, produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi and I. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB the podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, Don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.